You are listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger, a driving John Hughes movie. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Life. I am J.D. Rieger. This week on the show, we have the last of the in-person interviews that I did on my Memphis trip, and it's a really fun and surprisingly introspective one with special guest Brian Venable from one of the biggest bands to ever come out of Memphis, Lucero. Lucero's new album, When You Found Me, came out in January and is available at luceromusic.com, that's L-U-C-E-R-O music.com, or all streaming outlets. Here's my conversation with Brian Venable. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, thanks for meeting me here. Yeah, no, um, you're not in Chicago, you're in, you've moved, where are you? I am in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. And you guys will be up there soon, right? Possibly in October or November. Yeah. I have qualified. I do not check the dates until right before tour because it <laughs> makes it feel like I'm on tour forever. I'm pretty sure I've seen the advertisements for no, you. No, it's out there. I'm saying me personally. Yeah. No, I no. know we're going out for two weeks in Ju- at the end of July. Sure. And then I'll do those. And then I'll come home. Because I know we're playing UK in January of 2022. So if I start trying to count the days, it's like... Uh, and that's just been the whole time. You just, it makes it feel like you're actually home some. So when I was uh, doing a little research for this, I asked oh, someone man. about you and they referred to you as, and I quote, oh, no. the non-musical center of the Germantown punk scene. Wow. That is um, wildly incorrect, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, how old were they? That would be the question. It's Graham. Oh, yeah. No, that's... um. He's a grown-up, and we're equal now because we're grown-up. I don't know if you ever – you know, like when three years difference might be – it's crazy during high school, but in our age now, you're like, ah. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, he was saying that you used to give all the younger kids who couldn't drive yet rides to the antenna and back, that that yeah, was something. I, I did do that. Yeah. Man, we got a – I don't know if he was in the car. I know Pritchard was in the car. I know Pritchard was in the car. That's it. But we went and saw Sick of It All DRI and Nasty Savages at the Daisy – Hey, can you get just like a little closer? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's at my nose. Should I bring? Could I? No, you're. Uh, oh. We can adjust it however you like. No, no. I just didn't know if that effect. Oh, so. if it's if it's making you sit up too tall. We can... No, no, no. I'm making. This is all for you. I'll sit on my head. It I don't looks, care. It looks good. It okay. looks good now. Um, but yeah, sick of all DRI and nasty savages, which is real funny, because now I'd probably be more like nasty savages. But back then, you're like, oh, this is gonna take forever. <laughs> um, but it was quite possibly the loudest show. I'd been to to date. I couldn't hear nothing. And we driving home. I'm in that 60. And we got to get everybody. My thing is, is at the time, I lived in Midtown. I had dropped out of high school. I was living at my dad's or had my own apartment. But I would still pick up all these kids because they were the crew. Drive fuck all out to Germantown in my murder car, which I always got pulled over because it was just like, what the hell? <laughs> and um, it was like an oxidized baby blue Ford 64 Plymouth Valiant, like the Circle Jerk song. And so it just looked like, and it was the 80s. It just didn't look like it belonged, you know. That was a driving John Hughes movie, basically. Um, and on the way back, 
I mean, I was hauling ass. And right there, now they're Target and all that's there. But it's that right before you get the expressway in the cemetery on mm-hmm. Poplar. Because I never took the expressway or the, the 240. I was scared of it. So Cooper, I, yeah. I always had to do – I drove from Poplar back and forth. Like, it's so dumb. It takes so much longer. But I wouldn't get on the freeway or the Sam Cooper or any of that. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Cops are just busted. I'm like, I got a car full of minors. I'm 18. This guy, I can't hear him talk to me. And I'm yelling, like, hey, I can't hear you. you know, he's like, license, license. He's like, you need to quit yelling at me, kid. And I'm like, I'm not yelling. And it was that whole, like, <laughs> like I almost got in more trouble because I was literally, my ears were ringing. I couldn't hear nothing. And everybody's all, like, freaking out. And, uh, but yes, I drove everybody. The only time, well, I say the only time. I feel like Ray played out of town twice, and I missed the Louisville show, but we all drove to Nashville. Like, Chad's dad drove him and some kids. I drove some people. And somehow, I ended up having to rent the hotel rooms. It's the first time I'd ever done that. And so, I had a room, and maybe somebody was in my room, but can Jason, Pritchard, all them kids. And again, might have been even... They blew out the room, shaving their heads. Like, they did the whole hair dryer, but they're using clippers and this kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm basically a man-child. I'm not even a man-child. I'm just a child. Who let me rent this room? Much less, you're a grown-up now. Would you ever give your room to a bunch of 16 to 18-year-olds unsupervised? No. Hell no. No. Hell no. I was like, you know. And so, yeah. So, they're calling me. And I'm all like, I don't know. I'm not in that room. So... And I left my hammer that I had taken a five-pound hammer. I did shoe repair, and I bought a hammer, and I sanded it down and put lightning bolts and stomp crew in the handle, and it was wrapped in a side-by-side shirt, which all this is funny to us, but I left it sitting on the desk when he checked out. So I'm sure whoever Gen Pop normal dude was like, there's a, what the, like a side-by-side shirt, a bunch of bald-headed kids and a big old fucking hammer. He was just like... Who the fuck stayed here? So, but now I never, yeah, Lucero is my first band, but I was a show guy. I mean, that was the whole thing was I skated and you meet everybody through skating and then, yeah, you end up, somebody takes you, you know, you had, I feel like some kid, the younger kids didn't have the scary antenna experience that you were supposed to have. And by the time like the early nineties rolled around, there was more of them than there were of the scare. Like my first show was like an 85 and I was terrified. Like if you go to the wrong, you go to the load indoor at the antenna, they make, they're like, Oh, it's worse than Rocky horror picture show. They're like new <laughs> kid, you know, and you know, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know, but that's where you start going to the shows and you find the Germantown kids and then you start making the not Germantown friends. And eventually, I mean, the idea was to get the kind of high school, and moved to Midtown. You know, it's interesting to me because your antenna experience is a whole lot different than mine because, you know, my dad was like playing in like the older generation oh. of bands. So like I grew up in the antenna like as early as like 85, 86 yeah. probably. But, you know, and my dad was probably doing sound at some of those shows you were at. Who was your dad? His John Paul Rieger, JP. See? He was in the modifiers for a bit. Oh, that's where I know that name from. But he get, you know, I... 
I'd get drugged down to sound checks and stuff yeah. like that on the regular when I was like a very, very little kid. But all I knew about was like the older bands, like the modifiers, Tad yeah. Falco, and like that crew. I didn't know anything about like the hardcore bands and stuff until like way later. Well, that was the thing is, yeah. I mean, my experience, my dad would go see Alex Chilton play or something. My dad like smoke pot, played blues on Bill Street. He's a Memphis musician, you know, and this and that. But he'd get roped into going to the antenna. I grew up with, oh, the antenna? That's where they eat garbage out of trash cans and we're safety pins. Like my parents, were, like my mom's, all those people were just like, you're going where? See, I didn't really know about the safety pin crowd. Were, well, no, it wasn't. That's just what they saw on the news. Oh, okay. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I was fully like, the first few times you're like, you're scared, but I'm like, man, there wasn't one fucking trash eater or safety pin in sight. <laughs> you know, this sucks. I was expecting, you know, but it was a Nazi punk my first show like swastikas in the pit like i felt like there was a razor blade or something dumb you know like you're just like fuck no because like danny timko played drums and sober and consequences and he was in my class he wouldn't talk to me that night i was like danny and he's like oh hell no (laughs) get away from me rookie and um (laughs) so yeah like i said you gravitated you took a partner or you gravitated to like the you know the four people that might have went but eventually yeah you just started going every week you know or whatever but i i would drive everybody i dropped out in the 10th grade but still like because that's the funniest like i had joel hilgenberg gr smith and those and then i had steve pritchard i had like the straight edge and the hardcore and then i had just the weirdos we were going to the loose end not the north end or the south end but the loose end downtown and where i would take that 64 point of value and drive up like nobody went downtown memphis back then i'd drive it into concrete pillars and just, just it was an indestructible car we just get weird down there what was the stomp crew <laughs> it was a social club um i think i feel that that's a steve lovett question but um <laughs> what was it I mean, at the time, it's funny to look back now because, again, I'm older and I look at these people like the other. I had uh, old roommates came and stayed and uh, they were making jokes about doing hard stance, like getting down low. And I was like, we never did that. I don't know who did that, you know, (laughs) but um, that's some new thing or newer. But I feel like at the time you always had. Was How would we phrase this? This is my version saying this out loud. Sorry, Steve. Steve Lovett was a lunatic, drugs and run around, blow, spit out his nose and swallow his own snot. Like he was just a dirty punk rock skateboard kid that got sent to Lakeside. And when he came out of Lakeside, he uh, and Roy, Uncle Roy was straight edge, like not, but not like youth crew straight edge, but he was uniform choice and brotherhood and, you know, and minor threat type stuff. So it was out there a little bit, but Steve came out and was like, bam, we're doing I'm straight edge like and they started one way and it was Gary Guy Mark Whitlock Gary Guy Martin maybe Chad and it's basically pre-raid you know and all of a sudden everybody went straight edge you're like I didn't drink or do anything anyway so it was like ooh for me you could go skate with these kids and they weren't going to go try to get blowjobs while instead of watching Sid and Nancy or something you're like ah let's go skate some more and they're all like there's these girls I'm like girls suck let's go skate you know which you know like damn but um so yeah you end up 
that and then i think it was just we all try we look like a swim team man it was just dumb <laughs> we were bald wore hoodies you know champion socks swim team. we thought we were tough as hell you know <laughs> worst thing that ever happened was jean-claude van damme and everybody started taking kickboxing and thought they were extra tough oh, um, but i'm saying we were suburban white dudes who were listening to new york hardcore you know california straight like just but it was all straight edge and in that group the funny thing is most of the kids in the stomp crew still hang out like it you know like um so that was it was just we we wanted a tough guy name and we did the dance where you stomped i guess but i don't know we were morons we were children (laughs) uh didn't you also work at the donut shop for a while i do i have the sign in my house really oh yeah telling you, you gotta come over for coffee because i have my house is basically a museum to all things memphis in the past to some degree um like i had to get off the memphis 90s archive page because i was like oh i lived through it i don't want to live through it again but um but yeah no that was katie um she worked at the donut shop i'd come back from i'd moved I had a little bit of a down period, which a lot of people don't like to talk about. I was might have slept with somebody who played bass in a certain band's girlfriend and got in trouble, um, and uh, kind of got ostracized. Not kind of got ostracized, which is and then end up living at the Man with Gun House for a little bit, and then got kicked out of there, and then it ended up possible. Like your parents don't live. like. I might have been one of those people that are like, yes, wow, you're very pretty. Let's go and stay at your house for three or four weeks kind of scenario. Like, you know, it was the only currency I had, so to speak. And um, I uh, ended up having to get out of town. And so I did undercover work for Pinkertons and had to spend three week, three months in Jackson doing that before I had to get out and then ended up dating my first ex-girlfriend's best friend. <laughs> It all sounds bad when you say it out loud. And we moved back to Minnesota. And then I lived up there for a year. But when I came back, everybody had turned 21. And Cypress Hill and House of Pain had happened. So all my straight-edge people all of a sudden were like, jump around and smoking pot and 616. <laughs> and I was still just like, what the fuck? But um, Katie, uh, Katie Furlock, Katie Kilo, she and her friend Sarah rolled up on me at the when Green Day played the antenna, the last you know when all the normal you're like who the fuck i didn't know green day were about to blow up but every preppy out east did um they were at that show and they were like are you still straight at they're just getting my phone like ah i mean katie became friends and i moved out of whatever house i was in and we split a room and she worked at the donut shop and wanted to move from cooking donuts to work in the counter so she got me that job and so that was like six years of it's great like you could take off for three months or and come back and somebody's going to want to go on tour and do all that kind of stuff but yes i worked at the donut shop that's a lot i'm sorry no no it's it's good um at what point did you start to consider that you wanted to do more than just go to shows you wanted to play uh man i had three things i wanted to do i wanted to write i've always wanted to just be a writer and then I wanted to, I started doing the zines and they went from like goofy found trash zines with Chris Cummings to me traveling. So it was like, oh, best pinball in the world all over to stream a conscious rant to basically boil down into poetry. And you're just like, oh, 
and there's that weird like oh, I'm doing poetry now somebody should stop me but it's amazing now but um but in my mind I wanted to start painting or drawing so I could illustrate my own things but I had three things I wanted to do zines do a seven inch and be able to like paint something you know have a painting thing and so there was a point where like i really don't like his heroes gone with carl's all you know like in pig pat and everything but burdett incorporated car fire as far as i'm concerned but um and i was just getting really disillusioned by what was you know because memphis punk rock used to be fun that was the beauty of it. You just man with gun, taint skins. It was all Alice Donut would come, you know, and you were like, you could be tough, but you also had this element of whimsical, if nothing else, but still dirty and gritty and whatever. And then, like, I love William, love Cop Out, but he wanted, like, a Discord scene, and, you know, and he wanted, and then everything got real serious. Like, ah, like, and you're just like, man, this isn't, like, Los Crudos came and played 1297, and we were all out back playing kickball with. Los Crudos and Billy and all them are all like the show's happening you need to watch the show and I was like this is punk rock <laughs> we're playing kickball on an empty field behind um, in downtown Memphis with the touring Latino band this is great <laughs> you know like this is so many cultures and so many things how could you miss out on that I'm saying go back inside if you don't want to play quit yelling at us and so yeah there was just a weird thing and then I found this is, you don't find these things anymore, I, I fear. But I legitimately, somebody threw out a pile of records. Like, just set them on the curb. Buck Owens Live, uh, Joe Jackson, um, some other, I can't remember, but those were like these huge, all of a sudden it was just like, Buck Owens, all I'd known from him was Hee Haw, you know, the other part of the duo kind of comedy. And I was like, this stuff is amazing. And I kind of, and then at some point, it's like, you listen to like Leonard Skinner and stuff, whatever's on the radio when you're a kid. My, how old are you? 42. See, that decade might have made a big difference. I don't know. But when I was a kid, you listened to Rock 103 and they played all this stuff. Oh, and, yeah. I totally saying, grew yeah. up on Rock 103 and the Wake Up Crew every single morning. Well, see, they would just, and that's, for me, it's like I heard Leonard Skinner as a kid and was like, this is kind of awesome. Not knowing anything, just being like, oh, I like that. And later on, you, that's the other one. It was the live for the Rowan for the road. That's why I discovered that. But it was this huge part. You're like, who throws away these, like, take them and trade them. Or, you know, like, I'm just saying, they were a pile of records that hadn't been rained on. And so Leonard Skinner was like, oh, shit. And I was kind of like, okay. And that led you down Jimmy Rogers. You know, like, the Leonard Skinner is the gateway, if you let it be. You know, I hate Hank the Third. I hate all this weird pageantry about rebel flags and weird stuff but i had to go through it <laughs> to some degree and so um but yeah and so all of a sudden i was like i never wanted us like i feel like they tried to get me to like graham's band one of them alex westfall ended up singing for pure blood after some but they tried to get me and i was like i don't know fucking words man i like to run around and push people down and scream i i have no idea what the they were like you don't know any of the lyrics i'm like I don't know the lyrics to anything, <laughs> you know. I was just chalk, uh, I was just talking to JB about Pure Blood yeah. in my last interview. That's well, funny. See, maybe it was the other it's one. It's funny it comes up again. There was two of them because there was, and basically, Graham and somebody played in both. Ver like there was Pure Blood and the other band, 
And Alex ended up singing for one because I think JB always sang for Pure Blood. I'm not sure. But I never wanted to play music. I just like going to shows. I like the the I like the crew aspect of it to some degree. And so um but yeah, all of a sudden it was like, okay, I want to do a country band. I want to do a southern rock band. No idea. You know, and it took me three years before Ben fell for it. Everybody was like, Oh, Brian doesn't know how to do shit. Don't listen to him. And so yeah. And it was supposed to be not even tongue in cheek. I just wanted to make I didn't want to Lucero got way bigger than I ever thought it would. I figured we'd uh and the lid was on. <laughs> <Shh>. um, <laughs> it's so clean in here. Um, oh, you should have seen me sweating all over the place last night at practice. We, we oh, had to mop it up. That's fine. I'm just, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. And then I bought, Matt Bradley was moving, who played in Superstar. And I bought, I want to say he had, I, I bought his basement head and his 115 cabinet i still wish i had that basement head but and then i had a guild the one that looks kind of like a bot bat it like a it sort of looks like a battle axe it's not normal guitar shape but the armander or something remade them too. it was like the guild the 57 it was some weird it was wired together all three pickups were wired together with speaker wire it sounded like horrendous ass and i think i practice with Ben or anything but I was like fuck it I'd go to the library and I would Xerox sheet music of songs that I liked just to learn chord shapes and because uh, I never learned any of the songs I don't know any cover songs I just don't see the need like it's a weird like I mean unless you're playing it in the show well yeah no no like we play two covers or three in Lucero but I just it's like like Henry's learning to play the bottle. What else? He does uh, the Denver going down to Denver, Townsend's aunt. We do kiss the bottle. We do. I've heard uh, you guys do American girl. Ooh, that's been a while though. Yeah. That was a, for a favor for a friend and no, um, we do, uh, if only you were lonely by the replacements, uh, kiss the bottle. And we used to do please, please, please by James Brown. Oh, and sometimes we do, uh, that's an interesting, different kind of choice for you guys. You know, that's the fun part. None of us listen to the music that we play, if that makes any sense. Like, I didn't know there was something called alternative country. That you guys don't sit around and listen to the old 97s? <laughs> Not really. They're real nice guys. They don't tell them. Oh, I don't mean to diss them. I actually love a couple yeah. of their records. No, no, no. Like, I'm saying I, I've listened to them in the store before. But, but they th- have the quintessential Americana band name. Yeah, and that was Ben wanted to call Lucero. Uh, oh, freaking frack! Diamond State Heartbreak, and I was like, absolutely mm. not. <laughs> like, if we were going to be a band for three months, and then you know what I mean, or whatever. But Lucero was dicey enough. That was like we had a show in three days. We did you guys ever hear from the Mexican artist Lucero? Is if she was younger, like more Shakira aged, it might have been an issue. Like, I'm being legitimate. Like, yeah. she was basically Kylie Minogue of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, she so, was doing... Yeah, yeah. She was older. A she generational was do- or two older. She was doing soap operas by the time we hit. She would still tour, but it wasn't like... she. Nobody was like, hey, 46-year-old Latin lady, let's overtake America. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we got real lucky with that. But, but yeah, no, I just... At some point, was like, let's try this. And... I got real lucky, you know, like, 
with Ben, he showed up with, like I said, two songs with words. And I had like a, here's an A that goes to a C kind of thing. And he'd leave. And I have this VHS that my dad had given me. And it's all scales. And it's from the 80s. And this poor guy looks like he tried to dress cool. And so it's the shirt that's all cut up and weird patched up. And he's a total like, I forget I have a mustache because I was about to make fun of him for having his like mustache and like just like office geek kind of guy. But he was like, and so I would just rip off. If you listen to the first 10 or 12 Lucero songs, there's no deviation. I just didn't know that. I just do, 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 do. I didn't change them at all. I just played and I didn't know what the little M meant. So I just A's A, B's B. I didn't understand minors yet, which Jim Dickinson was like, it's amazing. Power chords. You don't need them. Well, no, I didn't do power chords. All single notes. Oh. I didn't know. I mean, power chords. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, he would play something, and they came for a while jokingly, this Lucero sound, you know, because I would leave all these wide open spaces because I'd get lost. And I only played when he sang. I didn't know. Technically, you're not supposed to. It's like, I'm going to sing, and then you fill in a little bit. But I learned this weird, by accident, kind of harmony leads but they were so subtle at the time. But they're just these people like, man, I love the space. I'm like, me too. I did it on purpose, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but that was it. it was just, I don't know. It's the same, you know. Just I wanted to do. Growing up, punk rock. When I discovered punk rock, it wasn't necessarily tough. It was, you know, abusive stepfather, don't like school, blah blah blah, whatever. All the stuff that you would get into it for, and uh, but it was like you can do anything, and that was the thing for me is. You didn't, I didn't, legitimately did not know how to play guitar. If there were seven Lucero songs, I knew seven Lucero songs. You want to jam? It's like, is it going to be one of these seven Lucero songs? Because otherwise, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, so that was, that ethic is, I just wanted to, it's like, I've been painting. I have a poetry book I'm almost done with. Like, garden, I don't know. You stick it in the ground, see what happens, figure it out. And that's, for me, was the beauty of the Lucero it shouldn't have happened. I was around for a lot of those early days. Like I remember. Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, Great Depression and oh, yeah. Lucero used to play at the Map Room several well, times. The, this was before like Roy and John no, that was the joined whole thing. the band. They were that was the cusp. They kind of came in slowly, but that was the joke. Is we would go practice, go down to Barristers, open up for. Famous oh, somebody or John. oh gosh, I remember a band I was in called Bishop. We played with you guys, and you had like a big lineup that night. Uh, I think Jeremy Freeze might have been in Lucero that he, night, but um, we both opened for Joan of Arc. Oh, you were that. That was that was what got us James's attention. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a big that was a I big brought, show for me too. I brought them home because I'm a I'm a Captain Jazz freak. And I was dating Ruth Flowers at the time. And so, like, we all came home. And they're all laying down. They had to go to Little Rock the next night. And I wouldn't leave them alone. I was just like, hey, Tim. What you doing, Tim? Like my demo, Tim? Tim's like, you got to get the fuck out of here. I got to go to sleep. And Ruth's like, come to bed. Leave them alone. But I was just like, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah. No, we played that show. And James just turned the book around was like, you can have any show you want. Like, you guys are going to be huge. He was like, within one show, was just like, I'm calling this. And so we were almost a house band at Barristers for a while. But, um, but yeah, we did the whole, like, because we never, 
We played house shows and weird stuff. And then Jason from the Satyrs, getting that right. It's Jason, right? Yeah. Um, Paxton. Was, yeah. Was like, do y'all want to come play the map room with us? And we were like, yeah. And that was, it was like the Satyrs, the Lucy Nell Crater, which is uh, Megan, Riley, and us played constantly. Like it was a scene almost to some degree. And then it was just kind of funny because I think the last time we played the high tone open for the satyrs everybody came for us and then everybody left that like they all went outside and it was just like we well, didn't I, I stayed for them well yeah no not everybody left mind i you. actually remember that show pretty vividly Do you remember how it was a little bit <laughs> i remember you guys were starting to rock a little bit at that show yeah, well it was just more. i'm just saying is that so many people came and then so many people went outside that it was awkward we did it in little rock with another band where they finally have that and they're like you don't open anymore you have to headline and we're like no 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 you're the big guy and they're like no and i'm not even bragging i'm just saying is that up until that point and then it just kind of there was more people like oh we're gonna go outside and smoke now or something and yeah. it's just a little bit like "Ooh, this is awkward i remember there was a point you guys were playing a lot of shows with the sub teens and it seemed like you guys were it started like you guys would open for them but then about halfway through it kind of switched well i'm saying that happened with everybody unfortunately i mean and i'm not, again it's not it's not even a humble brag it's just like at some no. point they were I mean, just that's like the way it is yeah i wouldn't want to play after lucero well and especially when we were when ben started to drink for real and i was drinking for real it was like it wasn't even musically you didn't want you just a shit show you're like oh nope you know um but yeah and that was a weird that was weird you know and we were i tell all these kids now because nobody wants to go on tour i don't know if you can't afford it i don't know if things have changed the dynamic of how you get bigger in the business but i feel like touring is you get in the van you lose money forever you know like we lived in that big warehouse for nothing and lived with each other and then got in a van and for 10 weeks not a bus a van with each other you know like and it was like um and yeah these people are like it's like yeah justin bieber got discovered because of some youtube video but most people don't american not like you got to go out and play to nobody and hope the bartender likes you and tells the booker to bring you back or something and um the north mississippi all-stars they took us out well before we needed to go out they were putting us in, on like stages that it's just like i didn't know what a monitor was man you're jogging my memory i remember i was living in knoxville for a time and you guys came through with the all-stars and played some big club oh it's crazy and uh that's what i'm saying like we played not the Ritz, some crazy, I can't even remember the name of the room in New York City. And they were like, where do you want your monitor? And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't need it. And they're looking at me crazy, you know, and I'm all like. The map room doesn't have this, sir. Well, I was just saying, and even like at the high tone, you didn't need it. We were so quiet, you know. Yeah. Once we got louder, it was like, okay. But in those early shows, I can hear him. I can hear, you know. But we were playing these crazy, you know big ass rooms and yeah so and that's the thing we took the glass out we took dirty streets out we took i feel like we took amy out too for like we tried to be like like because in the old days you had to we don't do two or three band bills anymore just because it takes you're like who roll who wants to sit through three bands you know some people do if you do that's okay um but we would have to pick the main support they'd be like you have to take out circus survive you know and but you can have Corey brandon or, you know so we'd get the opening and be able to bring out who we wanted to but we always had to concede the you know the middle band 
So, I don't know. We learned good from the All-Stars. You mentioned uh, you and Ben getting into the drinking pretty heavy. Do you think that was a function of just being on the road so much and it's just fucking boring? Well, maybe later. I never, again, I didn't start drinking until I was 25, 26. I didn't start till I was in my 20s either. Yeah, and so I was... I mean, I was blackout drunk, scared for the first Lucero show at the warehouse, the Hewling House, you know, where I was just like, I don't remember those eight songs, you know, wish I did. Um, but so I was, that was the funny thing is Ben Nichols didn't smoke, didn't, he was Coca-Cola's and Pop-Tarts and I'm the one over there like falling over on myself. And then, um, he started smoking to be in one of his brother's student films and it like, <laughs> Yeah, like at 27, all of a sudden was a smoker. It's like, who starts smoking that? You know, and uh, and then, yeah, we just gradually, I mean, I was getting hammered. And yeah, and then he started drinking. He was drinking poorly. Like, do you remember when Dave sold the high tone? And then there was that, like, it was the brothers. And I can't remember, the, the one might have had a messed up arm and glasses. And the other one was like, like forget about it like i forget but and he always wanted to hang out with us and he drank with us and he was like you know like i'll go fucking get new york on him or something and we were always just like who are you but um but they would make ben the worst drinks fucking with him been like i want what he has and i'm drinking whiskey and cokes some point eventually you just lose the cokes but they made a grenadine and coke for him yeah you got a stomach ache just hearing that, didn't you? Um, well, I'm, I know you're sober now, and I, I am two years alcohol-free also, nope. so just thinking about a whiskey uh, and grenadine makes my no, stomach... No, no, no. Coke and grenadine. Oh, Coke. <laughs> they were fucking with him, and he knows it. And Ben Nichols gets all like, like, fuck you, I'm going to drink the whole thing. And I'm like, why? Just throw it out and go get a real one. You know, like, I don't know if you were around during Red 40 days. A little bit, yeah. Do you remember, like... So Madison Monroe, we have the tattoo shop, and right next door to it was where, like, the Audios Gringos lived, and they'd have shows. I don't know if you ever went to any of those shows. And this would have been, you know, 95, 96 or something. Um, but Bruce, I don't know if you remember old crazy Bruce. Um, ben was doing red. I wish I was a race car driving. Bruce took that mic and shoved it up his ass and took it out and put it back on the mic stand and just looked at Ben like, what are you going to do? And Ben Nichols just put it just I was I and just right up on it because he's like fuck you and I'm all like that's not a good fuck you Ben Nichols that's the terrible fuck you yeah that that's a loss man <laughs> yeah that's not you're not proving it you know and uh, and so but yeah so eventually <laughs> yeah he kind of figured it out and you know and that's where he became you know whiskey soaked Nichols or whatever but yeah I think that sometimes you just play into it you know your touring band I mean I had. I mean, on some level, was it something that was, like, expected of you, so you kind of had to do it? And see, there was a window to where... Because people are always sending you guys shots well, that was the on thing stage like, and everything. We drove down to... Um, we drove to Birmingham and played the Nick one night. I don't know if you ever played Nick. Oh, yeah. Fuck that place. Um, it's the antenna of Birmingham. Man, it's something of Birmingham. But we'd always end up having to play the after shows. So we would just sit around the deli and get drunk and then get in the car about midnight or 10 maybe and then drive down there and play. They're like, oh, you're playing with um, 
Supergrass. And we're like, fuck yeah. We played after Supergrass if you wanted to hang out and drink. Like, we were just like... That's still pretty cool. Supergrass, I love. We never saw them. They mm. were gone. I'm saying they played and got the fuck out of there. And so... But... I didn't drink that night for some reason. And I wasn't even like, so it was just, I'm not drinking. And yeah, there must have been 12 shots on my amp full. Because I didn't, you know, all the other ones were empty. Ben Nichols was spinning around like, you know, and it just, yeah. I feel like there's a point where we became, it was every, a weekend night for somebody in every town, you know. And there's yeah. a point where you're just like, that's why we quit playing. Like, I'd rather have five people in one hotel room than have to stay at your house. Because most of the time... They want oh, to continue, my you know, like how many cats do you have? And man, I just want to go to sleep. We've just spent eight hours partying, you know, and they're like, no, till the sun comes up. And you're like, I'm going to sleep in the van, you know, kind of thing. And so, and that's the lore that we're still trying to live down. People come out like we're 22 years into this, you know, and like we're making some pretty adult oriented rock right now um but again we're not in our late 20s early 30s driving around on the van blowing stuff up or whatever you know what i mean like there's just a point where you're like you can die or you can continue to create and right now we're continuing to create but so many people grew up like i was in college and man you know like play the old stuff where's the white t-shirt whiskey 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 and you're just like you know you want to watch me get naked and fuck your wife give me the whiskey otherwise you know leave me alone and uh so yeah it's an interesting i mean we are a hard drinking whatever whiskey rock and roll band or considered i guess but yeah it just what we did we turned into the toxic twins man it was a race to see who could get drunker Ben would go out and get hammered before the show, and I'd get real mad. Like, you can start the finish line, or the starting line should be when you, hello, we're Lucero. Have a drink. Two hours later, you might be ass out on the floor, but you work your way up to it. You don't show up crossing the finish line and starting the show. And so, yeah, he would be like, all I had was three shots, two Jack and Cokes, and something else. So I'd run over to the bar and be like, I need three shots, two Jacks and Cokes, and something else. And I'd drink them all at once and come back and be like, but you got like 22 minutes before it's fucking weird. You play all, you know, and uh, and yeah, and he gets so mad because he's having to sober up because he's worried that the fat kid stage right's about to explode. So it, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ugh. Is I was in a band uh, glossary and we did a little touring yeah. with you, uh, Lucero, but. Not as much when I was in the band. It was, I mean, I think you guys did a lot more together later after I left. But I do remember we did one tour and you were not with them. I did, was not. What, what was the situation that led you to briefly step away? I feel like it was two things. My dad had gotten cancer and I needed to run the shop. But that was the second. It just happened to kind of work that way. But there was a point, again, it's the punk rock part. You know, like, I got into playing music because we were like the Lost Boys. We were pirates. $5 shows, and you just get weird. Hell no, we're not going to open for Clutch or Widespread Panic. Those bands are terrible. We're going to play with the cool band. You know, like, there was no business to the music business. It was just, you know. And it was getting more and more like, 
we were becoming a legitimate band and i think i was just was we were in jacksonville florida i didn't like some song well ben had been writing some song that i was just like i hate this song and it's the first time i'd ever hated I lose, you know, like in the end, you're like, if you write a hundred songs, nobody's going to like all 100 songs, you know, let's just, you're not necessarily going to hate it, but I had never experienced it's like, why am I playing music if I don't like it kind of thing? And, um, and yeah, we were in Jacksonville, Florida and I was just grumpy and hammered and these Jacksonville, Florida is a terrible place. Unless I know you and you live there and we're friends, I'm sorry, but you know, it's a terrible place as well. Um, <laughs> And we were playing this club, and there's these weird young punk rock type kids, but they all wore blazers, combat boots, and dress pants that were cut a calf level. And they were like hoedown moshing during our set. And I was just like, I'm done. You know, like, this is, what are we doing? You know? And so, yeah, I uh, was just like, this is not fun. And again, I didn't understand what we were like. I never wanted to be a rock star. I didn't know we were going to do it for a living. I never understood the concept of doing it for a living. And um, so, yeah, that was just a weird like. And then I was just like, I was done. I didn't even touch a guitar for the whole, it was nine months, 10 months or whatever. And, uh, and then, um, what was it? They went through... Steve tried to play with him. And, and Selvage? Yeah. He played one tour with him. When I was with him, it was a guy from Little Rock yes, named Todd. Todd. Well, Todd, man, it's just might as well pour it on the fucking floor, shouldn't I? That's um, <laughs> where it wants to live. Um, yeah, and that was the whole thing. Is Steve did it. And I think there is a hierarchy to the Lucero that's different. Or not different, but that's how the, like... Like, our job is to make the song sound better. I have no point in my life do I ever... I wrote one Lucero song, and it got recorded, and it's an outtake, you know? And I'm okay with that. But I've never been like, oh, I want to sing harmonies, or I want to be like... It's not Sun Volt and Wilco, whatever that... Uncle Tupelo or anything. There's no... Yeah. And it could have... If I was writing them good enough, I guess I could have. But I just... I've never had any... I just want to play guitar, man. It's, I like playing guitar with Ben Nichols I like playing guitar with Roy Berry you know these are the only people I've ever I've never really played like with other people it's like the Beatles it's a weird thing I've never played with any drummer but Roy Berry I've never played with any bass player but John C kind of you know what I mean like yeah so for me to ever play with somebody else is going to be wild like this is so crazy I don't have any clue what you're doing because I know everybody's nuances and everything and um so um so yeah that was an interesting thing is people would would join thinking they were gonna like input and it's just like oh no i mean you get to put your guitar stuff in but as a whole you know and then steve was like this isn't fun and ben was drinking like that's the other thing you don't understand if you're playing with a band and all of a sudden every night your lead singer halfway through the set is on the ground at some point you're like I like to drink, but this isn't fun kind of thing. There was some very clear and noticeable tension between Ben and Todd. Yeah, Todd at some point, because that's the thing. Todd came from the Paper Hearts. They could have been a hit band. Like, Todd was writing, like, that one Paper Hearts song, I think they would cover and let Todd sing if Ben got too drunk or whatever. But, um, ooh, that was gross. Edit that out. <laughs> and, 
Now, I, I remember the, I think it was like two weeks, we were out with that lineup of the band, and there were some pretty epic... And that's what happened is eventually Todd was just like, this isn't fun. There were some epic scenes. Like, I remember one time, like, Todd refusing to come back on stage with the rest of the band and the whole rest of the band, like, yelling at him from the stage. It was... Yeah. It was weird. Well, I'm saying, I missed all that. Whew. But, um, and then when he quit, the Against Me tour came up. And I was just oh like, gosh, yeah. that's where they didn't have a guitar player. And I guarantee you, I think Mary Cullen finally talked Ben into letting me... Because I was like, I'll just do the Against Me tour. I love Against Me. I won't go out with Against Me. You know? And I think they tried every guitar player in the tri-state area before Ben would be like, okay, fuck it, you can come in there. You know? And uh, I think I was about to sell my amp. And he came in the record store and was like, don't sell your amp. You know? Like, it was definitely like, motherfucker. I remember I had a voicemail that I even recorded and saved for a while from Ben asking me for John Murray's phone number. Oh, no. He totally, because John Murray played on the one record I didn't play on and did the solo. He straight up was just like, he did not want me back in the band. You guys really dodged a bullet there. And uh, his new record, I didn't know he's like a guy guy, but the songs aren't so bad. But he's playing with some like weird. No, I can't comment. Oh, no, no. I don't know. I'm just saying one day I was like. Something popped up, and it was like his ex-wife. And I was like, who is that? And then I was like, he's still alive? Holy crap. <laughs> and then I not only is he still alive, but that's like... That's a better... That's a good response. And so I was just completely blown away that he has a career with like Red House Painters type people. Like, it's a weird... Yeah, it's bizarre. If you want to... We had a huge... I went down to play South by Southwest with him several years ago, and we had a huge falling out. He would you can to, watch a video of us playing together at some South funny. by South showcase, and you can see like the look of misery on my face. It's hilarious. Well, see, for me, he was the goofy guy that would come to the record store and hang out and be like, hey, bro. You know, I had no idea that he was the fedora scarf wearing songwriter. But, but yeah, so. Heroin addict. Well, that, I mean, there too. Um, but that was the whole thing. Was So he was calling everybody, and then I play, and it was like, oh shit that's what Lucero sounded like and everybody was like fuck and halfway through the Against Me tour I was like it's like I mean really if I was working at the record store I was having bands on Wednesday night come in and play where you were not allowed to even be mic'd like it was acoustic and I would record I had some I had, I had uh, Rain and Sound guy um, Greg I got an amazing set of him just acoustic without mics or nothing oh. uh, he was I was like I want to put this out and he's like nah it's not very good and I'm like you're crazy um, but then the glass did it. all these different bands I had my dad come out I, w- I was like record store guy and oh, then, yeah. I remember seeing you at the shop yeah. all the time well I was saying that's just what I did and I lived and rode my bike and all that and uh, and then when I went out I was like man this is fun I miss this I'm not doing any, you know, like, this is my baby. I found everybody. I know Ben would have done music, probably been famous without me finding, you know, but I was like, ah. And so, yeah. Then I just was like, okay. And that was it. But yeah, basically, we all know each other's, put up with each other's things. And you, I'm like, have fun, you know, like, you want a real guitar player? Sorry, you got me, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. But, but yeah, it was, it was funny. Cause I, people would call me or be like, woo, we should have seen Lucero the other night or the, you know, that was a train wreck. And I'm all like, and so, I mean, musically they were always pretty good when we were out with them, but there, I, I did witness a few train wrecks. Man, well, it was just, 
and he was miserable and i don't know but yeah so it's i've been back in the band longer than i was before i left yeah and it's funny because every once in a while he gets he's like you quit oh my god damn it <laughs> <laughs> well you got back in at the right time seems like well and that's what i'm curious about sometimes i feel like there's an element of the right time. I got big, me getting back in helped, and then I got in when it was getting good. Because that was always his thing. He's like, once we start touring for real, you're back in. You're in it for the money. And I'm like, what money? There's no money. You know, like we are a small business. You know, nobody's rolling around in gold rimmed Cadillacs or nothing. And so, um, so yeah, because Jim Dickinson wouldn't, he wanted to do a record with us, but he wouldn't do it until I was back in the band. For Jim, it's real funny. He didn't want to do Please to Meet Me unless they got, um, fuck, I got dementia. Guitar player, like, uh, oh. not Slim, but the one, uh, Bob. And uh, he didn't want to do the replacements if they didn't have Bob. And right. they were like, Bob's not coming back. And so when he did that one, like he told amazing stories about that record. He's like, they can't play that record. That record has more tape, physical tape on it than it actually has magnetic tape. You know, he's like, they couldn't play those songs start to finish at all in the studio or something. But he wanted Bob, but that was the same for in his mind. It was me and Ben's dynamic, whether it was the like or the weird guitar stuff. And he was once I came back, he was like, "Ooh, I'll do a record. And that was the first record we, when we came back and did that record with Jim. And that kind of blew up everything. So. There are definitely two dynamics when I think of Lucero. I mean, it's definitely you and Ben, but also you guys have one of the both best, but also most unique and rhythm sections we have the in Memphis. Hands down. I mean, I'll... Is there a more, like, creative and original drummer than Roy in Memphis? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is, and that's where... That's what I'm saying. It's like, I've never really played with a straight drummer before, you know? And that's where an element of, we skipped the middle, man. We just took the big lid off. Um, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is like, that's for me, I got lucky. John C's a classically trained bass player who can play. It's just like people comment on his bass playing like, that's not normal. You know, like he's doing things. You're like, that doesn't sound, oh, and, it works. And he lays back in just the weirdest places. And that's, and it's great. And then, yeah, Roy, I mean, we did, we had, we started the band. I was like, okay, I got Ben. And then we got, um, that's where we had Shane and Jeremy. We had Jeremy Freeze on bass and Shane Callahan. Was that his name? Callaway. Callaway. Yeah. Um, sorry, Shane. And, um, and he, uh, and that's where we just basically had the first show or two. And then I feel like, what do I feel like? I feel like Jeremy quit to go to school or something. Or did he, somehow or another, he was just like, this is not fun, or I got to do something. And we had Shane, and then Shane and Ben would fight. It was hilarious. Um, but then, because then it ended up being me, Ben, and Rako on violin. And then we got, I feel like Roy was that we got John and then Roy because we were recording these demos the attic tapes at my dad's house and as we got people we were putting them on there so like you do in the studio you put the drums on last and um sure <laughs> but we all just sat on my dad's couch watching Roy try to 
But that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> we had a practice. Everybody wants to practice. And at the time, it was just like, man, if you'll play with us, you're in. Like, what is this tryout shit? Nobody, who tries out? Like, that, you know, like, it just never occurred to us. And Roy, I mean, it was like, brah, side of the drum, hit the center block, ba-ting, clock, kong, kong, ting and I was and like, for a while he had the electro rig too. That got stolen in Brooklyn. I remember that, hearing about that. that I was, was real sad to hear nuts. about that. Yeah, that was a sh- weird show. Because that, all that electronic stuff really. What's the record that it's on? Tennessee. That's like got a ton of it on yeah. there. It really takes, you know, takes that record to a whole different place. Yeah. No, it was great. It just. But that was the thing, and so I was like, we have Tom Waits as drummer. In my mind, we had the weirdest, you know. And so. Because you can kind of understand Roy now. He's actually able to emote better. But when we first hung, he was just like, and Ben was like, what are you saying? Like, hold on. He says yes. Or, you know, like <laughs> it was kind of, and we came over because he lived in those apartments. They used to be gray I don't, behind Huey's. I don't know what color they are now, but the brick fourplex where it was Jeff Evans, Roy, yeah, Nick yeah. Diablo, and possibly somebody. Isn't jack oblivion in there now or is hey, that might still yeah if he's still in there that's been like 20 years i think he was yeah. last time i checked no, no i'm just saying that's kind of, but we would practice at roy's but we came over one day roy was like passed out in his chair asleep but the loudest industrial music just blaring like that panasonic ad whatever that tape you know like with the guy getting blown back but he was yeah, just yeah. Asleep, but he looked like it but he was and we were like I think he's dead. <laughs> like we had a serious conversation about leaving because we were like, it was like, I mean, I can't, like you can't hear even to think. And we were like, Roy, 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 Roy kind of thing. And we were like, we didn't know him. This had been like a month or so. It was just like, because I got a firm rule. If you die somewhere we're hanging out, I will drive away and be like, man, I can't believe what happened. I don't, mm-mm. It's terrible, <laughs> but no. It um, sounds like a good rule. I mean, I'm just like, we used to climb the buildings downtown, and G.R. Smith was a Boy Scout, and he'd climb on the ledge because he's all daring and everything. I'm like, if that wind blows you over, I'm going down. I'm driving home. I don't, I didn't know you were that sad. It's a shame you took your life, but I'm, fuck no, I'm not going to sit around here while this happens. <laughs> because I'm a terrible person. Um, but yeah, he finally was like, and it scared us to death, you know, because we, for a second, so. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is, I think there's a weird dynamic with me and Ben. And again, I mean, that was Jim's whole thing. Like, you can't have Lucero without us. And I think it got kind of shown with Steve and uh, Todd. Todd. And... But again, I don't want to put any more importance on it. You know, it's like, but everybody kind of had to Ben's the songs, but we make Ben's songs weirder or blossom. Yeah. And I think that's because that's what's different than a lot of people start a band and want to be like, I can't, I'm going to be the lead singer. I'm going to write the And it's like, man, I'm stage right. I'm just going to hit my marks and then I'm going to go in the back and make a sandwich. It's going to be great, you know? And that's what I enjoy doing. And so I think that was one of the things, too, is our job and what we'd love to do is make the songs, like you said, I guess, blossom. That's a good word. I need to write that down. Time out. Before we get back to Brian Venable, I have a few things I'd like to tell you about. My new single, Back Off, comes out this Friday, August 6th. That's me, J.D. Rieger. I have a new single coming out this Friday, and you'll be able to find it at jdrieger.bandcamp.com or backtothelight.net. 
We also have several Back to the Light related live shows on the books. August 7th in Evanston, Illinois, I'm playing an acoustic festival called Quiet Fest. August 10th in Chicago, Arthur is playing Sleeping Village. August 20th in Memphis, we have the Back to the Light listening party at the Memphis Listening Lab. And a late night gig at the High Tone with Arthur, myself, and Glorious Abor. Finally, August 21st in Memphis at DKDC is the Loose Opinions release show. As always, to support me and the show, visit patreon.com slash jdrieger. Backtothelight.net will get you updates on everything. And now, the ad. just heard Gotta Make Them Clap by the Venable Exploration Society, featuring my guest, Brian Venable, also of the band Lucero. Let's get back to our conversation with Brian. I like that you have questions. Oh, I, 
I am a prepared no, interviewer. No, no, I was like, I, called, I was like, was he? Oh, he actually has questions. So, yeah, tell me about. You mentioned you're nine years sober. Yeah, um, twenty fourteen, but I don't do meetings or anything. Yeah, um, I, I I didn't do them either. I just, I basically, at some point, around then, I got I went blind on tour, and um, from diabetes. And I was two. I was at my heaviest. I was two hundred and seventy-six pounds, drinking a bottle of whatever Jaeger or whiskey a night kind of thing, and eating like a vegetarian trucker. And um, and so, yeah, I um, I had to quit drinking. I still did pills. I loved pills. I love pills today. I don't take them, but man, the drinking I could quit in a heartbeat. That stuff's gross. But. Um, but yeah, and so I quit drinking. My wife at the time had not quit drinking. And uh, and then, um, yeah, like a year later, we found out that she was doing the stuff, all kinds of stuff. And we got her clean, and that's when I gave up pills too. And then she went into meetings. I was push up some math problems kind of thing. And then there was a bad experience when she left with the meetings kind of situation that soured me on uh, meetings and I'm like it's the inmates running the asylums basically or something and yeah um, it does a lot of good for a lot of people now I know plenty of people who it's helped but I, for some reason you know I picked up one of the AA books and just all the God stuff just does and again doesn't been, jive with me and it's no judgment no 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 and it's again I've been studying Sufism like mystical Islam for the last three or four years and I struggle with in the end, it's all free and free and free, but it's always for the greater one. And that's just the punk rock weird. Like, yeah, I grew up Southern Baptist. My atheist streak is deep and hot, you know, like, and so I struggle with faith Church in general. Christ. Ooh, yeah, that's, gotcha. a, that's a nasty one. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of, I don't know. Again, it was like, I can get buck ass naked and do dumb stuff sober, you know, like that's or whatever. And with the kid, he's 12 now. Um, and I just, at the time, I needed, when I, when the divorce and that, all that stuff went down, I was glad I was sober. You know what I mean? Like, that was definitely like, oh, that helped through that kind of thing. And again, yeah. it's kind of fun because punk rock Brian, all those, they're not necessarily straight edge, but even after straight edge and for years, you know, I was vegetarian didn't drink Brian and I made zines I did thing I traveled you know I mean I could get a hundred dollars and I would go out for six months at a time just off the mercy of people like, that's why I talk so much I think is because for a while you have to be somewhere and be like I need to entertain you <laughs> enough that you're going to take me home or you're going to let me sleep on your couch and so I had to be the song or I had to be the story you know and I can't imagine having the situations I was in if I'd have been drinking, could have been catastrophic, you know, life ending. And yeah. I, I started drinking because of a divorce and that, yeah. that, you know, that didn't go anywhere good. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to put a few rounds through that guy's car. <laughs> you know, and you're like, everybody's like, and so, yeah, but that's, yeah. And that's kind of the thing is, again, I don't miss drinking as much. I, yeah. I, pills were amazing, you know, just your ankles didn't hurt, cloud of titties kind of thing. You take <laughs> a handful, two pints of Guinness, and you're just going to 
fucking fight a traffic cop, you know, or whatever kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, and that's where I'm gardening. I'm learning music. I'm, you know, I focused more on guitar. I'm learning the synths. I started painting like in 2015, and now there's people that know me as a painter more than they know me as Lucero guitar player, and that's pretty cool, you know. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like all of a sudden. I uh, I feel like I'm living that. You know, you get to go back in time and know what I'm like. Don't do that, but do this. So, you know, I have a, my music room. I have a library. I have the art studio. The back, I'm just too lazy, but I bought an entire dark room set up, and it's just a matter of me going back there and building it. And, um, and I got a Roloflex. I got Helga's. I got, you know, and it's just... So at some point I'm going to start. It's just a grown-up punk rock resource center, you know. Renaissance man. And you know, dilettante is what I learned. That's the dirty one, where you're like, I just half-ass know how to do a lot of things, and so that's what I look at it as. Don't you? I mean, I know you're a visual artist. Or we've we've mentioned that a bit, but don't you also have some sort of interest in like a tattoo shop or something? Oh yeah, yeah. I always forget that. I am a part owner of Bluff City Tattoo. That's right. And so me and Brent forever, Brent Hale was like, we should open a shop. And the whole joke is, is he would tattoo and I'd take my shirt off on the internet. We're kind of, you know, like, blah, 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 come on down. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. And when, then at some point we, uh, I made friends with these people from Virginia that moved here, Derek and Meredith. And we kind of all just went in together and yeah, it's been three years. We're on year three, I think. That's cool. Actually, Yes, year three. <laughs> July is our uh, anniversary date. I don't know if it's going to be three years. I think we're in the third year. So I don't know if that's the third or fourth. Year. Math is not my forte. Was getting through the pandemic a challenge for the business? At first, um, it was a little bit like, okay. Brent would come in and do appointments. Uh, the other people that worked there were like, we're out, which is understandable. Yeah. And then, like, no regrets. Basically... No regrets had to shut down from a COVID scare. When they reopened, it was something, I don't know what happened with there, but we ended up getting three of their people. And yeah, COVID was the best, the pandemic was the best thing that happened to us because they came in and just, they had a wait list. They're working every, you know, like, so now we're just like, and we're, um, our uh, shop person is being apprenticed in. So we're going to actually like sort of hire out somebody. We're going to like basically farm team and uh train a tattooer that in the style that we like and uh and she's stoked on it and everybody's stoked but yeah i forget like i used to go i had my own guest spot station i just hang out and then when we got all the new people i lost my space so now i wander around for a little bit i'm like <laughs> i got nothing to do but the joke is is we're gonna get brent to apprentice me so i can do legal tattoos and i'm gonna do l because i do l stars i've done almost a hundred um, like I'll trade with tattooers. I've done fans. I've done people. Right. And, uh, but, um, if I get licensed, then I can have like Brian's at the shop, you know, 80 bucks plus 20 buck tip or something, or, you know, just to kind of, and it's less about the tattoos and more about promotion or something. Yeah. But I don't know. I have no real desire. I always think about it. It's like, I should learn how to do like sailor Jerry's. I, it would be like, I'm like, ah, you know, if I wanted to tattoo, I'd have tried tattooing 20, 30 years ago, you know, like, so, and I don't need another hobby, 
kind of thing. And again, if you don't want to do tattooing seriously, don't get involved. You know, like it's not a game. It's a there's a culture, there's a history. You want to be, and I'm like, eh, I don't want to get my toe in it if I'm not gonna go swimming. So, um, but yeah, it's fun to hang out. It's a fun shop. Speaking of side projects, you also have like some sort of synth thing that you're doing I, now, right? I guess it's synth thing. Um, yeah, it's always. I started out, and I had my first record, and it was like guitar, bass. It was more like a old school instrumental R and B with trap drums. And I haven't put anything out yet because that's the other weird part in my life now. It's like sometimes I just like making it, and people are like, "Oh, put it out," you know. And since it's instrumental, nobody likes instrumental stuff. I also, didn't uh, didn't Roy and uh, oh, the keyboard did. player Roy and Rick did their electronic Rick, yeah. yeah. Um, and they wanted to put it out, and it was it was great. And I might try to put some of it out. It's just uh, I would play it for people, and they would be kind of confused. Everybody's like, "Well, you should write some lyrics." I'm like, "So you've heard this, and you think it needs lyrics?" Like I hear it, you know. Nobody tells explosion. Well, I guess everybody probably tells explosion in the sky they need lyrics, but green onions does that need lyrics <laughs> you know like no it's dance tune or it's a kind of just laid back thing and uh and then i did a for halloween last year that was synthy but i did a john carpenter kind of ghetto boys triple six a, a, a soundtrack to an imaginary urban horror film called oh the terror or nope oh the horror and yeah that was some that was fun and then this last one yeah it was all like no guitars on it whatsoever so that was full like egyptian lover merch uh hey murgatroyd kind of thing uh nucleus kind of thing so i'm fully into this weird window of electro that's kind of pre-rap or early rap that was more dance you know yeah yeah and nobody get like some people are like oh soul sonic force or this african bombada but most people are like oh that's like trans am i've never listened to trans am i thought they were on <laughs> thrill jockey i thought they were just some cool like indie rocky kind of band but i guess they make fun dance records or something supposedly i've never heard them but yeah i got fake robot voices on it and you know and i'm struggling with most of the people i know white tattooed bearded singer songwriters <laughs> and i'm like man i wish i hadn't made fun of all them ravers back in the day because i just you know like i and the bows so they're all like ah oh, that's neat i don't get it and then i give it to the some of the mute dancey electronic people and they're like well that's neat i don't get it because <laughs> i'm doing <laughs> two and a half minute electric dance songs <laughs> so it boggles both people you know like most dance stuff is like 45 minutes or some kind of long dance cuts and i'm doing basically these weird pop songs with where i now have a real vocorder keyboard one of those behringers and i'm going to do a real like get on down kind of fun stuff but at the time i was hitting the the weird vocorder key so it sounds like a foreign language but you're like it, it's almost saying something but it's not and that makes it fun What's the name of the project? Right now, it's the Venerable. Venerable it's my last name. Venerable Exploration Society, which that was my catch-all for everything at the time. You know, I had some other fun Magnolia something sound system, and everybody's like, "You've been pushing this other thing forever." And so the idea is like people could come in and play, 
and it'd be like Ringo Stars, All Stars, or something like, or yeah. whatever. But and the new stuff I'm doing, I'm bringing back instruments, trying to create this. My goal is to make this weird, heavy drum machine sample synthesizer and pick up one of you Americana boys <laughs> and make you write songs to it that were all about trucks and trains and love or whatever y'all said. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ooh, dude, I, I would love to try. No, no, but I'm saying I want to be able to like, here's this track because I'm a nothing. If, have you heard it? Did I send it to you? I don't think you have. I'll send it to you. Um, cause I'm nothing. My first love is melodies. And I mean, there's hooks galore in this stuff. Everybody that hears it's like, Oh shit. So it's not German Teutonic, just a drone. Like there's, and that's my thing is I feel like, like you, somebody can play guitar around this and hear these melodies and sing. I'm, I don't know. For the, but the thing is, is I've spent the last year trying to, I'm like, I'm on the cusp of something fun, almost kind of Joan of Arkish, where, you know, or that kind of is where I'm coming from. But yeah, I don't know. I learned Reaper. I asked 10 people what, the, what they used. Eight out of 10 said Reaper. And. If eight out of ten or six, I said Ableton or something else. That's what I would have. I'm just. I need one, and generally yeah. I need somebody that I can be like. How does this? I still don't know how to punch in. I've made three records, and so I, you just nail it. After like sometimes the twentieth or thirtieth take, yeah. um, <laughs> it's kind of old school. Like I have now learned where I'll play and stop and then space it so you can work with it. But they'll. Uh, my friend Wes looked at it. Wes Graham worked at uh, Sam Phillips. He's now, uh, and he just laughed because I handed him this like eight tracks and they, none of them stopped. You know, I was like, I don't know how to, I was, for me, it's like, I want to make music. I don't have time to stop and learn how to use the tool. I just want to make music. And that's kind of how I learned guitar. That's how I learned to paint, how anything. It's just like, fuck it. We'll figure it out on the way down. And, um, and so now, yeah, I'm trying to be a little bit more like, because there's more things that I'm hearing that I want to try, but I don't want to lose that sense of innocent, not knowing what it, like that I feel like is what makes some stuff that you really love. It's like, if you learn it too well, your neural paths or can something. Be, you can overcomplicate it quickly. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's just, because some of it, I don't know how to like, like it would drive me nuts because I would go, boom, boom, tack, you know, boom, tack, boom, boom, tack. And I try to program it. And when you hit play, it's like, boom, tack, boom, tack. And I'd be like, motherfucker. So I'd sit there for three and a half minutes with my fingers. And so when you hear every, pretty much every drum on this new record is me going, boom, tack, boom, tack, boom, tack. And then if I messed up, it's like, son of a and start over so i feel like it's kind of like sun studios on those two track sessions it's like so there's that element and it humanizes it to me because it's not machine perfect oh, so yeah. you get a kind of a because sometimes if you listen well you're like oh we missed and i was just like fuck it put a symbol over it or something you know <laughs> and but yeah that's i'm having as much fun right now learning this stuff as i did when i started lucero because it was just the beginnings of Lucera, I didn't know how to play. It was just open creativity, you know, and there's, you know, nobody to tell you you're doing it wrong. Although eventually somebody will tell you. But, um, and yeah, so that's the beauty of it. It's just, we're coming out of the pandemic. I'm looking to be more social because even before the pandemic, I was like, 
I don't go to shows anymore. Not because the pan. I wasn't going to shows three years ago. <laughs> like it's dark. It's late. What time are you going on? Oh no, I'm in bed by nine forty-five every oh. night. That's one thing I love about Chicago. I got to tell you is that we run shit on time up there. Yeah, and that's one of the other things. People are like come out to the show. You know, it starts at ten. I'm like, you lying sack of shit. It's just funny because that's. I feel more like that Germantown punk rock kid that didn't know nothing. Like I felt like for a minute I was having a midlife crisis, but it's like I don't want a red sports car and be twenty again. I legitimately feel like I'm fifteen, discovering every day there's just some kind of new. I'm like, oh, 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 this is awesome. This is awesome. So I'm having a blast, you know. And but in that same breath, I want to have. Yeah, you're like, okay, if I'm having a blast, let's go find six other people and see if we can all have a blast. Yeah. So. But then we're going back to work, so that's going to be the other problem. It's like, I'll be back in two weeks. Don't forget about me. Obviously, Lucero is a busy band, on the road a lot. You have a lot of side projects, business interests, but you're also a dad. How do you find the balance? (laughs) One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Okay. Um, I feel like the one thing I got lucky by is that he was 11 or 12 during the pandemic. I couldn't imagine having a three-year-old in the middle of you know all this but um i mean realistically when i'm not on tour he's number one that's i don't have a social life i don't really date you know or if i just whatever but i mean that is like his mom watches him while i'm on tour and uh but we just come i mean that's always been the thing is like he's lived in the same house for 11 of his 12 years um, we have dinner times. He cleans his, you know, like I try to, for as much stuff as he's went through and as much like Lost Boys chaotic the house can be, I uh, try to keep it structured. And, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing is my parents were 17 and 19 when I was born. And so they were still trying to figure themselves out. But I feel like me being in my 30s when he was born, it was like, you know, like I want him to, have a strong parent structure and that's basically i mean that's the thing is you know but again there's times when it's like hey i'm gonna go to nashville play a show i'll be right back and he's just like cool and then when we played last whatever a couple months ago when we played the summer twin and it was lightning and hurricane he's literally facetiming me like what are you doing like <laughs> should you still be up there yeah he was totally <laughs> mom and dad and me you know one time we went I went and saw Tommy Stinson at the Arctic. Were you at that? You don't live here anymore, so you might have no. But he was just him and his friend doing the country thing, whatever. Um, and I was like, I'll be back. I left at 7 and was back at 10. And he has this loft that he sleeps in. But I came back, and he was looking down. Like, do you know what time it is? Where have you been? Like, And I was like, wait a minute. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is most of the time you can't get a piece of paper between us. But then I might not see him for two days because he's in his room playing video games and being a gross 12-year-old. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in the end, like, he's the most important. He's the reason. His name's carved in all the guitars. It's just you know what you give up going out on the road. Every night when I get on stage, I'm like, I'm not with him. But he knows. He's coming out in January – or not January, July. On the, he's went out. We went out with Frank Turner two or three years ago, and he did the whole U.S., and he had a blast. Didn't see one show. He's like, I know what you do for a living. I don't care. 
which is awesome, you know. And then this time he's a little older, and it'll be fun. But yeah, for summer break, we're going to Montana and doing all these outdoor festivals. So I'm gonna throw him on the bus, and uh, and so any chance I get to take him with, he's kind of like how you were talking about. I guess during or before, whenever you you grew up at the antenna. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he was the first Lucero baby, and um, and so yeah, I don't know. I think ten, twelve, twenty years ago, I wouldn't let him near any of our friends. You know, like because I'm like, oh, they'd be like, let's get him laid or let's get him drugs. You know, and you're like, <laughs> fuck. But now everybody's kind of older and uncley. Like we every year we didn't do it this year, but every year we go to louisville for the kentucky derby we don't go in the kentucky derby we have friends that have a tattoo shop right by the churchill downs and we watch all the dumb drunk people and just act wild and they taught him about the dollar on the string and we yank it like to keep the drunk to fool the drunks and he where you know he just gets so he has all these crazy uncles that are like teaching him how to do dumb fairly harmless shit um and but yeah, I don't I mean that's the thing is like he's more important than Lucero. He's more important than the tattoo shop. He's more important than you know, like if Lucero was interfering with somehow develop his development, I'd be like, do you want fries with that or screws are on aisle eleven? You know, and I think that's um when I'm with him, I'm with him is that kind of thing. And so, but like I said, he's older now, so I can literally go play music or paint. And he's not like three tugging on my, you know, kind yeah. of thing. So he's older. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing is you just make, I don't know. It's a weird, but that's, like I said, every once in a while he stays at his mom's and I get all like, it's weird because the house is quiet kind of thing. And I'm just, you know, we spent the entire 14 months together through the whole shutdown, like together, you know, like I'm, pretty excited that he's going to go to school next year (laughs) um but yeah i don't know i mean that's the thing is yeah you don't you want to let them make their mistakes but you want to kind of be like like it's weird like my old stepdaughters grew up with drinking culture in the house because we just you know and he does not so sometimes when people come over welsh mark come over which is basically his uncle he's like welsh mark drinks a lot i'm like go kick him in the dick you know and kind of you know (laughs) just for fun but he knows you know so i don't know you're like he's kind of aware of everything that's happened so that gives him a little bit more of a mature edge but he's also 12 and just just gets sad sometimes and uh it's a fun thing because i think i'm fucking it up constantly i'm calling people like hey am i doing this right you know and they're like if you're worried about it you're probably doing okay and so I don't know. It's a weird question. It's just he's number one. He is. You have to make them feel like they're not a side note or something. Yeah. And that's yeah. When I'm not on, if I'm not gone, that's he knows he has me a hundred percent, and he also knows I'm coming back. So there's not like the dad left. I don't know where he is. It's like I'm in Texas today. I'm in here today or something. So yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing, you know. So, yeah, how aware is he of how He's famous a, you guys are? I mean, he doesn't listen to the music as much, but, like, he knows he gets on the tour bus. He had, you know, like, one night I was like, hey, 
We're going to go see the Knots play in the whatever that th- outside thing is. And he's like, is there a tour bus? Do I get a laminate? And I was like, oh, you're going to have a hard, hard life, kid. <laughs> we're just, you know, we're about to be gin pop. Like, you know, like, and, you know, so he knows we have CDs. Like I said, I think more and more his friends are kind of like, my parents really love your band. Like nobody his age is like, your dad's band's great. But um, I think it's just, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't come see the shows. Like when we go on tour, he's like, I'm going to hang out in the bunk and play video games on my thing. I'm like, don't get stolen. That's, you know, don't do drugs, <laughs> kind of, you know, or whatever. But yeah, I think he knows that that's what I do for a living, but it's not new. So it's not weird you know like he's just like my dad plays music for a living and you know in the houses he's been teaching himself piano by himself like i'm not a school of rock fan it's like a weird for me it's great they're learning things but i feel like it's like skate school for me it's i'm like you're supposed to go around the corner man you're you and your friends are you know like they're teaching you how to play correctly these cover songs when you should be like you should be playing it wrong yes but yeah, I don't know. But he's learning because I was like, how do you learn music if you don't like music? Like he doesn't really listen to anything. And he plays video game themes, which is crazy because it's almost classical. He's like playing like da 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 But everything I bring, if it has keys on it, he's learned how to play it. And now he wants to learn to play guitar and stuff. And But he sits in there and hits these three notes with eight pedals. And I'm all like, I'm going to record that. And we're going to make a lot of money with this experimental band thing you're doing right now you know and and yeah that's my thing it's like he's only 12 i feel like you know like everybody lost their minds over the linda linda's did you see that video it's the all girl band doing the dirty stinky racist boy video um it blew up last week or so epitaph signed them and all this but it's like all their parents they've been doing covers and like they're just kind of and I'm like, that's great if they're having fun. If you're having fun, get weird. But part of me is just like, yeah, school of rock. And then learn those cuts. It's like you're being trained to play, you know, six hours a night on in Bill Street or something kind of scenario. And again, nothing wrong with that. But there's an element of creativity and angst and danger. And like, like I love that people teach kids to skate, but you should be around the corner can skin in your knee and being rowdy and whatever uh, yeah being but, t- you know get out of here yeah no oh, that's part of the experience you know <laughs> it's not an olympic sport um and so that's an interesting part he's surrounded but i have the art room i have everything and if he finds it that's my thing is i'm not pushing if he wanted to be a ballerina that did an electronic celtic music i'd be like Ooh do the best you know electronic celtic music that you can do and that's all but it's just funny because it's all there and i don't know his new thing is he hits the guitar string and he can hit the note like perfect and i'm just like how do we monetize that you know like i don't even know what that is but he's he can hit the notes like and hold them like and so then my grand or my his grandfather, my dad gets real excited. He's just all like, "Oh!" I'm like, "You stay the hell away! Like, let him figure it out. Don't push it." And so, but yeah, that's the thing is he loves video games. I can't stand video games. I never played them as a kid. You know, he's like, "Come watch me play this video game," and I'm like, "Why?" You know, like, "Come out here and dig a hole in the garden with me." And he's like, "Why?" <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, it's just awesome. We just. 
I have to yell at him, but most of the time we just hang out. Like I said, he's at that age, you know, his hair is like down to here now. It's ridiculous. And, uh, and he knows how to, he finds things. Like I have these butterfly knives and he found one and was just like, how does this work? And I was like, oh, when I was a kid, son, he went on YouTube. That kid is terrifying. He's either, he's going to take your money. He just like a fidget spinner. He's just like flipping it and like, and everything. I was like, don't do that around your friends or your parents, friends of your parents. You know, like somebody's going to call the whatever on me. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, he's totally like shoots BB guns in the backyard and hangs out with the dogs. And it gets some real weird late seventies, early eighties child. Rear. I was like, you're going to, you're coming out of this pandemic. You're going to be fucked kid. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I got to teach you. That's the whole manners thing. I'm like, cause he's just like, nah, I don't want that. I'm like, Oh, all right. All right. You say no, thank you, or try by, or you know, and he's like, you can't talk to everybody like you talk to me, and I shouldn't let you talk to me like that, but I'm okay with it, you know. But yeah, and that's I don't know. I was so excited when he was born. I carried around the ultrasound picture on tour. I was just like, look, this is like eight weeks old ultrasound picture, and people were just like, it's like I'm going to be trouble. Like he's not even born yet, and I'm showing baby pictures. So, so yeah, that's the whole thing is once he knows that you're not leaving forever, you know, and you're coming back. Um, yeah. Matt Hensley, uh, skateboarder and plays in flogging Molly. He went through that where he was, he quit the band, I guess, for a little bit. He's telling, talking about it and he came home and he was just miserable, I guess, or didn't know what to do. And the kids were like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm home because y'all need me here. And they're like, we know what you do. We know you're coming back. Go away. You know, like, go do your, like, we're not being damaged because you're not here three weeks out of the, you know, at a time. Yeah. And he was like, oh. And so he went back out on tour. But I think he thought he had to, like, do all this stuff, you know. And everybody parents differently, I guess. I don't know. But I just feel like, Growing up with such terrible step parents and wonderful, I have a wonderful stepmother, and parents, and like I said, my parents were teenagers. They had no idea how to raise me, you know. And grandparents were like, "Oh, eat the other ice cream." They did not help the whole like learning rules and boundaries. And so, yeah, it's just. I mean, and again, tons of people. I mean, the Judds or whoever, all those people, they take their kids out on the road. All those country guys take the Judds. Well, it's not the Judds. It's the Dixie Chicks or the whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's like people that take their kids out. You know, I like Garth Brooks. I think he's a lunatic. Like, legit, something might be wrong with him because I watched all those specials. Did you watch that little series on him? No. Man, you should because he's so like crazy eyed and like. He'll do the whole, like, blessing and a curse. I, I kind of gave up on uh, Garth with the whole Chris Gaines fiasco. Well, again, but the whole trick is is when he's talking about how he quit as a parent and a person that travels, he straight up bought the land and the mom lives on the other side and they straight up was like, I'm done until they get out of high school or college. Like, that's like, if you got the money, but that's a kind of dedication that's just like, oh, crap. You know, that's pretty That's am- cool. Yeah, you know? Um and so you see certain people, you know, I know plenty of people that see their kid like twice a year and you're like, you know, but otherwise, I don't know. I, you know, I play music for a living. It's a day job. It's no more parenting different than if I sold vacuum cleaners on the road or something. You know what I mean? Like, 
and that's how you kind of have to see it at some point it's not like i'm a star and son you must treat me as a or whatever it's just like because they're the ones who are like he's cracking on me i'm turning 50 and he's had this he's watched all of breaking bad over the thing and i'm like eh, don't tell anybody but he's so excited to make me veggie bacon because the if you his last time you watched breaking bad I haven't really watched it. Okay. I watched it and was not as excited as half the rest of the world. It's no wire or whatever. But the opening scene is he turns 50 and they make him veggie bacon because he has to watch his cholesterol. Sure. So he's like, he's like, oh, you're turning 50. So in his mind, he's like, my mom's going to take me to get veggie bacon. Kind of like he's so excited. <laughs> and that's the way his brain thinks, you know. And uh, But he's like, you're old. I'm like, you know what? He's like, how was the Civil War? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm about to put your head through this wall and say you fell off a swing if you keep up with this old shit, you know, kind of jokes. But, yeah, so I don't know. It's just funny. He's the older and the more aware and everything. But, but yeah, we're just – I'm just dad. I think in the end, if you can make it where you're just dad, you know, and you have tons of toys, which is just your musical in the synth and whatever, it's – uh and, again – we don't really go out, you know? And so I'm going to get him a Spotify, I think. The shop stole my Spotify, or didn't steal it, but I left it up there. And now I'm like, the fuck are you guys listening to? You have wrecked my algorithm. This is, oh. Yeah. So I got to get a family plan just be like, Ugh. But I don't know. A couple of years back, he's like, Dad, can I get a song off of iTunes? And I was like, this is it. It's starting, you know? I was like, what? He's like, you never heard of this song. It's the best song ever, you know. And I'm like, tell me what it is. <laughs> Fucking staying alive by the Bee Gees, which I'm. Lo- I mean, I I'm love all, the Bee Gees. I love the Bee Gees. I'm I even like the disco Bee Gees. That's the good stuff sometimes, you know. But what he wanted was the opening riff. Yeah. He only listens to like the breaks, which is crazy. Because all I listen to at the house is like free jazz, experimental, and he's all like, that sounds like two rusty pipes scraping together. And I'm like, why are they rusty? Like, what, you know, like, why are they not just pipes? But we get in the van and listen to 101.1, the oldies in R&B. And so that's all like Prince and Brian McKnight or whatever. And uh, so he doesn't have any kind of like ground for normal stuff. But, but yeah, he just loved that weird little opening part. You know, he wouldn't listen to the riff. work, but it's that weird. It has nothing to do with the song almost, but he would just hit it, play it and rewind. rewind. He listened to it for ever. That's weird. Yeah. And that's what I'm like. And then the other day he was like, do you know about the Pina Colada song? <laughs> and I was just like, the like, if you like Pina Coladas and he's like, yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, if you like me, and he's like, is that all that you know? I know every word of that song. And I'm like, what the fuck? he's like, I listened to it for four hours straight the other day. <laughs> And I'm all like, you might need to go on some pills. That's some obsessive impulsive behavior. That sounds like torture to me. Well, but that was the thing is he just <laughs> loved it. And then one day I was in the TikTok is what he was. And that's where he learns all these weird songs. Because the other day he was in the van and he was singing a wee moo wop, a wee moo wop. And I'm all like, uh-huh. how, where are you? Like, you know. And he sings the whole in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. And he knows it all. And I'm just like, and oh, this is the best one. This one that makes me laugh. He's like, you know what's the best song ever? 
And I'm like, well, you know, it's all depends on what you like. Da, da, da. And he's like, no, it doesn't. Fergalicious. <laughs> and I was like, the Lady Bumps, Bumps, whatever song? He's like, yeah, that song is the best song ever. And I'm just like, wow, okay. You know, and that's, what, yeah, so I'm hoping, because that's the other thing is I don't want him like, these people that raise their kids like Black Flag and all the punk rock. I was like, that'd be like you're being 15 and people, you listen, like Louis Armstrong and the Hot Five. That music is so old, you know, like. Yeah, no, that, my, my parents totally did that to me. My dad insisted on a steady diet of Beatles, Monkey Stones. Like, I didn't listen to any contemporary music until I was like in junior high. Yeah, and that's just, that's child abuse. In my, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure your dad's great. But, you no, know, not really. But it's, but do you know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. when I see these people with the Beatles stickers on the back of their cars, I want to throw rocks through windows. You know, it's just like, come on, man. And, uh, but that's the thing is like, he'll find it all. He should have an appreciation. But, you know, they make music today. When the girls discovered Die Antwerp, I was like, that band sucks. Good job. I should, you know, like, like, oh. And they were like, I was like, how can you listen to this? But it, they were, you know, and I was like, I shouldn't necessarily hate your music, but it was theirs, you know. And it's like, I don't want to be the 50-year-old dude in the basement with six other 18-year-olds being like, I love new music necessarily. But with him, it's like you start out with whatever they play on the radio, and then you find something and you move along, or you find get a crush on a girl that likes dead Kennedys, and all of a sudden you're punk rock and yeah. uh, or whatever. But, yeah, so that's an interest. Just watching him, because – there's never not music playing in the house or in the van. Like very rarely is there silence and he hates the free jazz, hates it. And then, you know, like it's hilarious, but I can see like he found, he went, I went up to house. He sent me a picture of a trumpet I have and he's like, what's this and how does it work? And I was just like, it's a candle holder. Don't touch it kind of thing. And then I came home and he knows how to put, he puts the free jazz on and just blows in the trumpet. Because for him, that's the same. I'm like, no, no, there's some study. And he's like, fuck that. You know, and he just has fun with it. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'd be great if he's a musician. But it'd be great if, actually great if he was a computer programmer or a doctor. Because I'm going to need to be taken care of in a manner that I'm used to now. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to cut it if he's, you know, gig economy. <laughs> well, speaking of that. And I guess probably to wrap things up, are you excited to get back to that day job? Um, yes and no. I was a little nervous, and I'm getting less. Like, we played Red Rocks a couple weeks ago. We've done the... Um, That's got to be an amazing thing. It's crazy. It is, but it was like our sixth or seventh time, and there's a point where... Oh, my God. Is playing Red Rocks becoming old hat? It's not old hat. You just... It's like we're playing the Ryman in September and it's like our third or fourth time and it's still like we're playing the Ryman but there's an element of like you've done it before yes you know you still get excited um so right now the beauty of it is is we're what we're playing the Overton Park Shell on July 15th for some wine tasting or benefit like they you can have a fancy picnic I don't see Lucero it's it's ironic maybe or there's a word for it i don't know audacious um but 
and then we leave out and everything. So I'm not in pandemic mode anymore. I'm sort of back into like, oh shit, I got four weeks to like get the garden up and get the dog situation, you know, because I'm going, yeah. I've been to work and I'm going back. And it's the same. And I don't think that'll ever change. That first week you're on the bus, a few days, you're like, woo, we're on tour. I don't have to take care of the kid and the dogs. I'm going to sleep in my bunk. And like four days later, you're like, well, I've done that. Can we go home now? Yeah, I wonder yeah. what the I wonder what the, the kids, kids and, the and the dogs are, are doing. doing. Yeah, no. And so that's where it always is, is you get excited, you go out, and then at some point it just kind of becomes rote. And then you get on the other end where you're like, oh, four days till we get home, three days till we get home. So it's interesting. It's, uh, yeah, I think we've lost our show tight and I'm excited to get that back. Like we've been doing these live streams and Ben has us doing two a days kind of thing where we're like practicing five hours, four days before the show. Yeah. And it's like, we know the stuff, but we're sloppy, even if we're not sloppy. And he's like, I don't understand. I was like, because we're not playing 80 shows to 200 shows a year. There's a point where I could literally be asleep thinking about taxes and something and just muscle memory alone. And we haven't, we don't have that anymore. And so, yeah, so that's going to be, I don't know. Again, I think everybody's, because I was reading some Facebook posts where people went to see St. Paul and Broken Bones last night or some show, and a lot of people were like, it was weird. It was stressful. Like, I'm not used to being, and I think a lot of people are going to have to get used to actually, again, was it take three months to change a habit? And we had 15 months of like, don't go in, don't go inside, don't touch nobody. So we're all a bunch of slapped babies on Christmas morning going, I ain't touching that present because I get hit every time. And so, yeah, so that's kind of like, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird that it, that year kind of folded into itself and disappeared in the same breath. Like, cause we came home in March of 2019 2020 2020 2020 and then played our first show out like we came home on the 7th and then played our first show out in 2021 on the 17th of march or something so it just all of a sudden you're like oh we've only been off for two weeks not a whole year (laughs) so that year is i have a feeling in four years people are going to be like not quite remember that year like it's going to be a weird kind of be a weird foggy memory yeah because you just didn't know or didn't you know and people like my kid and those kids are all going to be like drinking at bars in 10 12 years being like well do you remember the pandemic like yeah where did you do you know so how'd your parents handle it that's what i'm saying it's just kind (laughs) of going to be funny to close the show let's hear another of brian's tracks from the venable exploration society project This is Get Your Sassy Out on That Dance Floor.
That's the show. Thank you to Brian Venable. Thank you to Graham Burks for hosting us for this recent run of four in-person interviews. Thank you to Arthur with two H's for the opening theme. Thank you to Joey Pegram for the closing theme. Thank you for listening. For music, news, and episode archives, visit backtothelight.net. And until next week, take care, y'all. Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.